With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Monday, June 19th, also known as Juneteenth. And we are here airing the third part of a three-part interview with Dorothy Brown. When we chatted with Dorothy, she was teaching at Emory University. She's now at Georgetown. So just want to make sure everyone gets that. And this did air previously. It was uh, as we were discussing her new book at that time, which is called The Whiteness of Wealth, How the Tax System Impoverishes Black Americans and How We Can Fix It. Dorothy A. Brown is a great talker and she is a just got a crazy resume. She's a, listen to this now, currently. She's the Martin D. Ginsburg Chair in Taxation at Georgetown University Law School. She graduated from Fordham University and Georgetown Law. She has an LLM in Taxation from NYU. You know what I'm saying? She's got a lot of stuff there, a lot, lot of credentials. So this is the third part of our interview. If you've got any questions about issues that she raises or you want to go deeper into this content, again, the book is called The Whiteness of Wealth. Here is the third part of our interview with Dorothy Brown. The gap that exists is not just the poor people who actually go for a for-profit institution. Yes. That, that is a, we know that that has been a place where so many places prey on yes. uh, lower income people, people of color, everything. Okay. Right. But what you lay out is that no matter at what level, that right. black graduates are not getting the most out of their education and, and even grad school. So even your your cohort right. are not making as much money as the same person with the same designations and your fancy degrees. The white person is getting paid more. Why is that? Racism in the labor market, right? So research showed when you had resumes of a black guy from Harvard and a white guy from Harvard applying to the same positions, the black guy had to send out more resumes than the white guy. And when the black guy was offered an interview, it was for a lower paying position. Racism in the labor market is very real. 
black college graduates are more likely to have more stresses on their income than their white peers. Black college graduates are more likely to send money home to their parents, grandparents, and other family members because those family members, those parents experienced Jim Crow, didn't have the same wealth building opportunities. Their white peers, on the other hand, are more likely to get money from their parents. What's so fascinating is that when you think about that, that like trickles down to so many different things, right? So I'm here I am, I'm hosting a podcast and I say, put money away for your retirement, do this, do this. And then I say, oh, you know, why aren't you putting enough money away? And the answer may be, I'm still helping my parents. That's right. And, you know, I I find myself in a weird situation, which is, you know, often it's, it's a lot easier for me to say, hey, Dorothy, you got three kids. I get it. It sucks, but you're not going to be able to put away for college right now. You got to concentrate on yourself. It's very different to say, hey, Dorothy, um, I know that your parents are struggling (laughs) and they're in their 70s, but uh, you still got to put away money for yourself. So there's only so many dollars available. So that means that many of the really professional and high earning black people are still helping out their family members, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that really does hurt their own retirement prospects. It hurts their retirement. It hurts their ability to save for their children to go to college. So the cycle will be repeated. It pits grandchild against grandparent. I want to talk a little bit about another thing in the tax code that could be changing, but drives me insane. (laughs) And it's called the stepped up cost basis. And so One of the things that has always exacerbated wealth um, between those folks who have a few dollars, not even like a ton of money, and those who don't have like investments or they don't have a, a, a house, is that when you have somebody who dies under the current law, the asset that that person inherits steps up the cost basis. So no tax has to be paid. By the way, doesn't it drive you nuts when people say, well, it's already been taxed. But if you sold it during your life, you'd have to pay tax on it, right? And yes. However, if you sell your house during life, you don't have to pay tax. Up to half a million dollars a gain if you're married escapes taxation, right? So So the problem is people don't pay taxes on it. (laughs) Exactly. And, And so- Talk a little bit about how, you know, from it's so so weird. It's sort of like we go from birth to like your earning years to your college years, right? Your college years, your earning years, your retirement. And now we're at death. All of this gets more pronounced. What's happening at death that exacerbates the issue? What happens at death is let's say grandma dies and leaves you property. Grandma paid $10,000 for the property, but the property today is worth 100000 So you get the property and you turn around and sell it the next day. Well, what's your gain? Is it the difference between 10 and 100, which was never taxed, or is the difference between 100 and 100? And our tax law says the difference is between 100 and 100, which means you have no gain. You get a basis in that inherited property equal to the fair market value when you get it. So you turn around the next day, sell it for $100,000. You have $100,000 of cash tax-free. That's how wealth is transmitted, and we see the racial wealth gap just growing. And yet, of course, tax-free, it's like music to the ears of any financial planner. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, whoa, yeah, that's fantastic. Now, this also could be changing the idea of a step-up in cost basis. So are you encouraged by 
the proposed idea around changing some of the structures for the wealthiest. Not everyone, but it is the right. wealthiest on this. One. Yes, I am. I am encouraged by what I'm seeing out of the Biden administration uh, with respect to tax policy proposals. It's you're you're absolutely right. It's really for the high, high, high end. But there's an argument that you know, once the camel's nose is under the tent, you can start lowering those income levels. So. I am cautiously optimistic about President Biden. I'm not optimistic about Treasury. Oh, by the way, everyone listening who thinks that Dorothy's like in the tank for the Dems, can you talk a little bit about your Republican foray? Yes. So I became a Republican when Dukakis said that he didn't want Jesse Jackson campaigning for him because he was afraid he was going to turn off voters. And then Dukakis didn't about face when he looked at the polling data and decided he was going to let Jesse campaign for him. And I said, okay, the Dems aren't good on race. I'm done. I cannot be in a political party simply because of race because they both suck. So I went to the Republican party (laughs) because they are the party of smaller government. And I said, well, the government's pretty racist actor, so let's just get him out of the business. Well, fast forward to Barack Obama running for president, and I worked for him, not worked for him, but I worked on the campaign, getting out the vote, and switched back to the Dems, and that's where I am now. Okay, so let's get back to the tax system right now. If you had to pick three top priorities, the Dorothy Brown platform for how to fix this? What are the three most important things that have to be fixed? What should people know about those things? First, the IRS needs to publish statistics on race. And the reason why I'm pessimistic about Treasury is they've done nothing on this. The president signed an executive order on racial equity, and many government agencies have stepped up. Treasury has been MIA. All they do is issue press releases about talking to some civil rights group. They do nothing. So we need racial data published by the government. Second, we need to tax income from wages at the same rate as income from capital gains. Income from Amen. Right? That is an absolute must. And The third thing is whatever tax reform the Biden administration proposes needs to have a racial impact analysis accompanying it. No longer should we ever have tax discussions without racial impact discussions as well. And it's so core to this country about fairness that I think what is important, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm white, I don't care because I benefit from it. You don't actually. I mean, you do benefit from it. But like if we had a fairer system, it would be fairer for everybody, for people all over the income stream. It just so happens that it's becoming has become glaring. Even just uh, I remember I did an inequality piece for CBS Sunday morning. And, you know, when I looked up that data around the median net worth. It is ridiculous. It's (laughs) 10 times the level of net worth for white versus black. And that's not good for a society. And it's not good for capitalism, by the way. It really isn't. It isn't. And I will also tell you that the marriage penalty impacted black Americans more than white Americans because black Americans are more likely to be in those dual equal earner households and white Americans are more likely to be in single wage earner households. However, 
there was always a percentage that my research found of white married couples paying a penalty. So there were white couples that were being harmed the way that black couples were. Okay, that's it. That is the program for today. And remember, markets are closed, but it is Juneteenth. So maybe in honor of Juneteenth, what you can do is just order Dorothy Brown's book, The Whiteness of Wealth. Check it out. It's so interesting. I found it fascinating. I read through it so quickly. It was amazing. Really stayed with me. And she has stayed with me. All right, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.